Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Culture and Conservation. This is a podcast where we talk about all things culture, all things conservation, because we're trying to make conservation more culturally relevant. Ding, I get better every time. (laughs) Yes, so welcome back everyone um we're really excited about today's topic um but before we get into that just a few announcements um y'all we want to hear y'all's conservation stories okay so send those into us just tell us like what interests you in nature um you know it can be really any random story you have about you in nature or maybe why you work in the conservation conservation field just because like we've said in a previous podcast you know everybody has a different story and connection to nature um and we just want to hear y'all's um because we, we share ours all the time mm-hmm. right um so we want to hear from y'all and we'll read them on the podcast so you can um email us um, culture.conservation1970 at gmail.com. That will be in the episode notes. Um, and you can also DM us on Instagram at culture and conservation. So if you're not following us, follow us there. Um, yeah. And share the podcast with friends, family, loved ones. Yes. Five star ratings, please. People at the barbershop. Yeah, literally anywhere, you know. The girls at the nail shop. Right. Wherever you go. Exactly. <laughs> Say culture and conservation with, with you. <laughs> so, um, and I have one last announcement that I just remembered before we hit record that I want to share. Okay, Sister Brister. With all the people with and my friend Morgan, because she don't know yet. So, I just officially got my certification to be an associate wildlife you Associate wildlife and biology. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had no idea what she was doing. This and y'all can't see my face, but I was kind of nervous. Yes. Because Michaela has a tendency of of telling people things that can either be really good or really bad at like you just never really know. Yeah, not the not always best time. Right. But for those of y'all that don't know, what that means the certification of an associate wildlife biologist, um, that certification is only given by the Wildlife Society to those in the wildlife profession. So it's kind of like the equivalent of like board certification Mm -hmm. for like a dentist or, you know, just any regular doctor. So yeah, I'm official, I'm certified. Um, Yeah, so that means I know what I'm talking about basically. (laughs) And if she didn't already know what she's talking about, you have- not one degree <laughs> in wildlife. Oh, yeah, I got two. You got two now. I'm about to graduate. Oh, that's another. We'll talk about that later because I haven't technically got my degree yet, but she got her degree. It's on the way. It's, it's um, like 99%. It's on the way. But as my friend Morgan likes to say, I am credentialed. You are credentialed <laughs> and accredited and confirmed by her learning institution. Exactly. And the only, I think it's the only. It's the only uh, professional society for wildlife, right? I think so, or it's like the largest. Yeah, I think it's not. I think it's I like think it might the, be the only, only one because it's you know national and international. And yeah, obviously student chapters. Yeah, because so. the other ones are like fish or more like mm-hmm. general nature specific. Yeah. But anyway, that's just 
you know, exciting news, what's going on in my can life. Can you tell the people just a little bit about how they can apply to become? Oh, okay. So yeah, if you want to be in the wildlife profession and you want to become an associate wildlife biologist or even a certified wildlife biologist, um, that happens through your undergraduate education. Mm -hmm. So in order to receive certification for an associate wildlife biologist, that really just means you have all of the um, educational requirements to say that, yes, I am a wildlife biologist and I am certified. Um, and so for me, the reason I want to uh, apply for that certification through the Wildlife Society is because, well, one, I we went through the program mm -hmm. to give us the certification, but also, you know, I'm looking to work more on like the public side yeah. of um, the wildlife profession and just having that, you know, stamp of approval gives you more credibility with the public, you know, because mm -hmm. everybody's skeptical of everybody these days. So it's really good for that if you're going to be working in a more public sector, actually engaging with the public. Um, but then there's a second level of certified wildlife biologists, and that means that you have the educational requirements, but you also have like 10 years of professional experience mm -hmm. in the field. So I will be working towards that next. Um, so yeah, so if you're looking to do that, if you have the um, educational requirements, um, once you graduate, you can just apply. Um, it's, there's a link on the society's website, but you have to be a member mm -hmm. of the society. You cannot do it if you are not a member. Mm -hmm. um, so that is kind of the one perk of being a member. Um, but enough about me. Morgan, you want to introduce our topic today? Yes. Okay, so a couple things about um, like Michaela was talking about, sharing your conservation story. You do not have to be in the conservation profession or majoring in conservation or wildlife to have a conservation Oh, yeah, story. just hobbyists. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so just so y'all know, like, it's it's for everybody because no matter who you are, what you do, what your major is, you have a conservation story. You have an interaction with wildlife. Nature. Nature, whatever. So whatever, you know, stories y'all have, whether it's about, you know, experiences you've had, Fishing, hiking, birding, camping, or just, I don't know, being at just a park. Just a fun story. You know, just a fun story that, you know, tells us how you got intrigued in nature or why nature's intriguing to you or something like that. We love to hear it. We love for you to share it with us. Like Michaela said, the email to send that in will be in the notes, the show notes. But you can also DM us. And since we are sharing personal announcements, Michaela, congratulations on getting your master's and your certification. I also got a new job. Yes. Started last Friday. Uh-huh. Well, by the time this comes out, I don't know what last Friday would be for y'all, but last Friday. Okay, last yeah. Friday. <laughs> um, so I now work in um the office of admissions at university so that means that i would be an admissions counselor i'd be working with students in specific regions of the state of mississippi to get them to come you know hopefully get them to come to our school and make this their home but mm -hmm. also just helping them in that next step of their academic career i'm really excited obviously me and michaela both love education is very important to us so this is really big for me and i'm super excited about it woo -woo. So, so if you want to go to mississippi state Contact Morgan. <laughs> Maybe not because she just started. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, just contact the general office and we'll <laughs> we'll work it out. 
But, you know, if you're interested, we can get you hooked up. So, without, with all that being said, we got all of our announcements out the way. So, you know, we're going to open this thing up. To our topic. We're going to open it up for devotion. Oh, my gosh. Um, let y'all know we are, you are welcome. Oh, yeah. Welcome, we got to welcome. welcome. <laughs> you are welcome, welcome, welcome. So, today's topic is green spaces. We'll be talking about the importance of green spaces, how green spaces have impacts on mental health as well as physical health, and also um, the correlation between economics, race, yes, but and the presence of green spaces. Yeah, but before you get too deep into it, the reason we're doing this topic in particular, mm-hmm. um, this, if you didn't know, July is um, Minority Mental Health Month, um, or it's recently been also dubbed as by POC Mental Health Month. So whatever you know, Whichever name you know it by, that that's what month it is. Not right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, because that one is. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that later. We'll get a Patreon. <laughs> yeah, and we'll put all our unpopular yeah, on our Patreon. because and I don't want people to think I'm like being mean to my friend. We will rant on that, so we'll just we'll have rant to, on a lot of things. Yeah, but that one in particular will really get us going, and we'll take away from what we really want to talk about today about the importance of mental health awareness um, in general, but also specifically in um, communities of color. Um, so yeah, Morgan, back to you on that one. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there. Okay, so obviously within like let's say the last I would say like two years, two three years, the word green spaces have become like. Kind of like a buzzword, you know, hot topic buzzword filter search when you're looking for homes and apartments. Oh, you know, like people, people are really becoming very interested in them, even on college campuses, even in college campuses, they're um becoming sought after mm-hmm. and developed more in urban spaces. So, for many of you all, you're like, What in the world is a green space? I mean, obviously, as the name implies, there's a greenery. But a green space is a maintained or unmaintained environmental area. So that could be a nature reserve, a wilderness environment, urban parks, you name it. Those types of things fall into um, green spaces. And green spaces can be recreational or aesthetic. You know, Mm -hmm. like walking in a park, obviously, is a recreation. But you can sit, Mm -hmm. look at the trees, look at the birds, whatever. So green spaces serve... And we'll talk about this, obviously. They serve multiple functions in communities from, mm-hmm. you know, aesthetic, recreation, activity, getting people to engage with nature. But also green spaces have um, environmental services that they provide in urban areas. And we'll talk about... What are those? What are the environmental benefits? So, <clears throat> thank you, Michaela. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I really... I was. That was a real question. <laughs> Y'all can't see my face, but no. <laughs> so, so um, in areas where there are more, green, you know, where there's more green, more trees, mm-hmm. things like that, you see a decrease in the effects of pollution, which obviously mm, okay. is going to improve air quality. And we know that air quality is really important. Mm-hmm. It's really important for health and all types of things and not just physical health, but also physical health can be linked to mental health. Mm-hmm. And if your air quality is good, then nine times out of ten, your water quality is going to be good, too. Your what quality? Water. Oh, Quality. Yeah. Nature, you know, natural yeah. water. So um, those are some benefits or ecological benefits of green spaces. Also, um, green spaces in urban areas 
have been shown to have what's called like disaster resilience. So they mitigate flooding Mm, and they lower temperatures, which can decrease, you know, the spread or impact of climate. Oh, so Mm -hmm. to that point, I was just reading something that said that the average temperature um, can bear, like the average temperature in a place with trees compared to a place without trees can vary up to like 10 degrees, mm-hmm. which that's a lot yeah, when you're talking about temperature. Yeah, like it doesn't sound like a lot. But let's think think of it this way. Would you rather be in 80 degree weather or 90 degree weather? And they're both pretty hot depending on where you are, but yeah. I personally prefer the 80 degrees to the right. 90. Uh-huh. So those are just a few of the, like you said, ecological benefits of green spaces. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, they're nice to look at, which there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying, like, I like this green space because it's nice to look at. But that's also linked to mental health as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah, those ecological benefits are important, especially as like, you know, more and more people are moving to urban areas and cities and whatnot. You don't want to completely um, get rid of those uh, green spaces um, f- for the purposes of like climate change and everything. But we're talking about mental health today. Um, so studies have actually shown that spending time in nature can reduce stress, um, reduce your anxiety, reduce your depression mm-hmm. um because like morgan was saying like that aesthetic it's just it's nice to look at i know for me personally if i well first of all i can't even sit in a room without windows for too long because right. it really does make me anxious i need to see um but if i'm like feeling you know extremely stressed out due to like you know school or whatever i always feel better after i go on a walk mm-hmm. um my favorite place to go walking here on Mississippi State's campus is over by the lake, by the Sanderson. Yeah. Because I like water in general. I like water spaces. So just looking out over the water, you get to see, like, you know, the nice little birds. It's just, it takes your mind off of things. So that is a mental health benefit, um, which the second point is that it helps distract you from negative thinking, yeah. which a lot of mental health can be um, linked back to just negative thought processes mm-hmm. and how we... Um, frame our you know point of view our perspective and it can also help those who experience seasonal affective disorder or sad so like in the winter um you know it gets dark relatively early um most people who experience seasonal affective disorder will um, experience it in those winter Mm -hmm. and fall months so you know just getting outside and spending time in nature can really just help relieve some of those you know anxious feelings um and so with talking about mental health, but also we want to, you know, especially highlight the uh, mental health in communities of color. So the reason why we need to talk more about mental health and community color, there's a number of reasons, but, um, you know, we're less likely to have access to mental health services. Right. You know, Um we're also less likely to seek out those services and that's, you know, because of different cultural reasons. Um, and we're more likely to receive poor quality of care, Yep. you know, and the list just kind of goes on and on. So with talking about nature and mental health, 
for those of us, you know, especially those of us who are black or, you know, a person of color, if you don't want to tell, we encourage you to talk to someone. But if you really feel like you don't want to talk to someone, you can't talk to someone, spending time in nature really is a, a really beneficial thing. Like it really does help. Yeah, like research shows that people who spend time in nature um, doing things like what's called green activity. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, going for a bike ride in a park, walk, okay. you know, like when Kayla said, going for a walk or maybe doing yoga outside, those types of things. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Those, you know, those types of things um, generally have healthier cortisol profiles. So cortisol is that mean? like a stress hormone. I know, but what is a cortisol profile? So basically, like the levels. Oh, in their body. Okay. yeah, yeah. So cortisol is a is a stress hormone that your body produces, and um, we we use this in uh, human health and also animal health. Mm-hmm. We measure cortisol levels to see mm-hmm. if you know if it's too high. That means obviously the animal person is under some stress right. and these types of things. So people who are outside in nature doing activities, whether it be once or twice a week, generally have healthier cortisol levels compared to people who don't. Nice. Um, research has also shown that people who have things like dementia, mm-hmm. um, them doing a green or participating in green activity especially on like a um consistent basis mm-hmm. helps to improve things like sleeping patterns um mobility eating patterns and mm-hmm. things like that and i mean that yeah that's for people with dementia but that can be for people with depression nice. too yeah. you know just getting getting in a routine getting up getting yeah. out these types of things if you're getting up if you want to go outside right right yeah especially down here in the south during this time of year, you going outside before before eleven o'clock. Well, probably really more before like nine o'clock. Before nine o'clock, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like before just, it gets too hot, you know. But you're gonna go outside at a time that is that the weather is most favorable. Mm-hmm. You're gonna make sure you eat. Yeah, because you're expending energy, right? And you're gonna obviously make sure you go to sleep so you right, can get up. Yeah. So those types of things, those types of activities lead to. Like more routines, more kind routine, of okay, healthier, kind of like overall healthier living. Yeah, and that does really help with your mental as well, mm-hmm. like you were saying. But um, you mentioned something that I and it made me think of something. Oh, I okay. So like we're talking about green spaces outside, but it's also important to know like your green space can be in your home, right? So if you live in an area that doesn't have a whole lot of green space, which will get to that later um yeah you really can create your own so um become a plant parent you can get plants relatively cheaply right from like walmart or lowe's or something i got a plant um last year for i think it was like five bucks Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was five Is bucks. Pam? It's Pam Jr. Pam Jr. My mama ran over Pam. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Pam. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but a side note that uh, Pam Jr. is the same was a part of the same pot that Pam was a part of. I just had split them up into mm-hmm. two different pots. Um. And my mama tragically ran over Pam, and Pam Jr. was fine, so it's okay. Um. But you know taking care of that plant, just interacting with mm-hmm. something that is living and at it can help increase your focus in the house like especially especially with us you know working from home yeah. now um having to be in the house a lot um and if like i said if you live in a space that doesn't have a lot of green space outdoors having that plant in your home really does just it kind of boosts your know increases yeah. your mood you know um like i say increases um your concentration level and there are studies that have shown that this, yeah. I'm not just talking. 
um, I'm accredited now. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like that's why you see in a lot of people's offices they have plants. Mm-hmm. Like office plants are a thing. So whether you're yeah. in like an office in a building or you're at your house, get you some plants. And like Michaela said, they don't have to be expensive. Yeah, you can start off small. Look at the different types of plants that may work with mm-hmm. where you live, with your lifestyle. You yeah. know, if you know that you. Got a black thumb. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't need something that's going to need to be watered every other day. Right. Okay? You don't need anything that's temperamental. Right. And that's sensitive. You need something that's just generic. Right. That can thug it out. Like a cactus. Like a cactus. Or spider plants. That's Pam Jr. is a spider plant. A spider plant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just like we got to say, having something you can cultivate and interact with is really important. And being in the house all day like how we experienced that mm-hmm. lockdown and quarantine that can take a toll on a person's mental health so yes. you know even if even if you don't have green spaces outside you know open the window mm-hmm. maybe for a couple hours a day or whatever get that fresh air going. get that fresh air oh you know open the blinds if mm-hmm. you don't want to open the window just at least open the blinds let that natural light in also yes. that saves money on your light bill it does it does on your light bill but yeah so just you can interact with nature without necessarily having to be outside. Right. We, I mean, we want you to go outside. Right. But you know, everybody ain't outdoor people. But everybody's not outdoor people. So if your outdoors looks more like your indoors, then that's <laughs> yeah. okay. It's then fine. That's okay. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Get plants, people. We're big advocates for that. So you want to take a little quick break before we um come back and talk about green spaces and affluence. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need a Patreon for that one. No, we'll, we'll keep it. Um, PG. Yeah, we'll keep it PG. <laughs> no, no fun. Okay, so we're back. And we're going to talk about what I like to call green space and affluence. You like the title, Morgan? I do. <laughs> you worked really hard on it. I yeah. wish I could have saw like her neck roll and her eye, her eyebrow raises. I mean, it really just came to it. me. It really just came to me because um, I saw this post. I think it was on Instagram. I'm trying to think who posted it. Uh, American Forest. That's I didn't even know that was foundation. To be honest, but anyway, that's beside the point. American Forest. Um, I believe they're a nonprofit, but they posted. Um, like a schematic that showed it was a um what's the word I'm looking for? It was like a spatial, like a satellite view mm-hmm. of lower income neighborhoods uh, directly c- compared to higher income neighborhoods. And it's very obvious that the lower income neighborhoods have way less green space when compared to the higher income neighborhoods. And they did this for like several cities um, across the US. It was like Denver, I think Baltimore was on there, Portland, Uh um, a bunch of different forests. We can like, you know, post that, um, share it. But some interesting tidbits from that post, um, whatever study that they did showed that neighborhoods with the majority, where the majority of people are in poverty, have 25% less tree canopy on average when compared um, to um, neighborhoods with a minority of people in poverty. And so what tree canopy is, is literally just kind of what it sounds like. It's um, the amount of space that is covered by a tree, Mm -hmm. like once it grows and matures and like spreads out and everything. 
Um, and so in some of the more extreme cases, wealthy areas have 65, 65% more tree canopy than communities where nine out of 10 people live below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. So that's why I call it green space and affluence because it seems like green space is directly connected to your level of affluence. Um, and so this is important because, you know, when talking about mental health and really just health in general, um, lower income communities typically have like a higher risk um, for poor health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that can be because of lack of res- lack of access to resources, all those types of things. But when it comes, but people are not really thinking about the environmental or ecological aspect of yeah. that because all those things we talked about earlier, trees, you know, help improve air quality, can help improve water quality. And so when you're putting people in a space where they're surrounded by nothing but bricks, buildings, asphalt, you know, pollution. Yeah. So you're increasing their level of pollution, mm-hmm. increasing, um, you know, the, horrible things that they're breathing in as you know um, in their daily environment and it's putting people at higher risk for um different diseases and conditions and who do we typically see in those lower income communities morgan oh i'm supposed to answer for real yes for the people who may not know i mean at this point if you don't know i mean but we're not here to shame nobody some people really don't know safe space yes um People of color, generally. Yes. Black and brown people. Yes. So communities of color are typically um, going to be in those lower income communities. And we already know, well, you and I already know um, the bevy of health concerns that, you know, communities of color color already suffer from. Right. You know, Um, so it's just like compounded issue on top of compounded issue. And that's why... I know these are buzzwords right now, but um, like climate justice and environmental mm-hmm. justice, that's why those types of topics are really important because environmental racism is a thing, people. Like we told y'all, racism is everywhere. Yes. And the environment is not an exception. It's really not. Um, and for me personally, I think I first became aware of the idea of environmental racism with the whole Flint, Michigan thing. Yeah. Um, to me that when I learned about that, it just kind of showed like, oh, this is strategic, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and I was young. What Flint was like in what, 2014, I think? Yeah. Yeah, so I was like 18. No, we don't really know, know nothing about the world at 18. Oh, the Lord is. Right? Um, so just learning then like, okay, this is strategic. And this is really, you know, and this is a racism issue, but it's also an environmental issue. And you know, that's and it's a human health, exactly. a human rights issue. It's just a big old issue. Right. So yeah, so that's you know, I just want to open that up with that. Morgan, you have anything you want to add before I um yeah, so ranting. like I <laughs> want to add that like there's a study that showed that air pollution or areas that had higher, you know, air pollution and less green mm-hmm. spaces had higher fatality rates from COVID. And these were obviously oh. in areas like when Kayla said low income mm-hmm. areas and health. You know, we talked about mental health before. Now we're talking more so about the physical health. Mm-hmm. But your physical health, your mental health, all these things correlate. Like we, we are starting to recognize that now. Your physical impacts your mental and your mental impacts your physical. Mm-hmm. And green spaces 
help to alleviate, alleviate stressors from mm-hmm. both of those things. It right? can improve like, your quality of health. It can improve your quality of health, like from physical exercise to mm-hmm. just getting out in nature. There's also a study that showed that areas that are obviously low income, so even my low income areas, this, we're just going to be honest, these are generally areas that do not have access to healthy food options. Mm-hmm. So food deserts yes, that don't I'm have access to fresh organic produce and, and vegetables. Organic is a buzzword. We'll I know. That another that's, time. A, that's another unpopular opinion. <laughs> Stay tuned for the Patreon, guys. Because <laughs> I feel like it's really going to happen this time. Um, but they don't have access to fresh produce, mm-hmm. fresh, healthy food options. Right. So that's going to impact their health. Um Generally, if it's low income, these are areas where most of the people, if they are employed, they may be working low paying, like lower paying, paying jobs, jobs like or factory type right, positions, multiple jobs. So they're stressed out mm-hmm. physically and mentally, especially if they're not only having to care for themselves, but loved ones, children. Right. Oh, and service jobs and service jobs. And then in these areas, you also have a higher um, percentage or higher likelihood of, of youth being at risk. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's a study that talked about how getting you at risk youth outside in nature doing mm-hmm. green activities, green spaces, whether it's in community gardens, something walking, so like that, simple. Right. Helps to not only improve, just obviously just making the point, keeping them out of trouble. Right. Um, yeah. get, giving them something positive to do, but it improves their, you know, confidence, mm-hmm. how they feel about themselves. Um, even their um, you know, mental health as far as like depression and other things mm-hmm. that they may be dealing with. So, yeah, it's really it's unfortunate <laughs> that yeah. that like I said, the environment has not escaped the grasp of racism, and that even things like trees and and plants and greenery can be weaponized against against people like those things being withheld from certain communities is a is a weapon against them like who like you would just never really think about i mean well me personally you know you never really would think about oh let me you know withhold some trees from these people you know what i'm saying like like we're not gonna plant any trees over here on the south side right and so and honestly my question is why are there less trees or less you know green spaces in those areas you know what i'm saying because no you're looking at me crazy but what i'm saying is why is it so important that they remove those green spaces like what goes through a person's mind to like to think like we're just not going to invest in that green space you know what i'm saying like to me that is asinine that's my my new favorite word. I was about to say, that's a that's a great word. I that. mean, it is because it's just like it's something so simple that literally everybody c- can enjoy, should be able to enjoy. Like they just out here growing trees, just it ain't did nothing to nobody. <laughs> the grass ain't did nothing to, to nobody. nobody. But humans have found ways, like you said, to weaponize that to people that they feel are less deserving for whatever reason they feel that they're less deserving, and that's just. I don't, like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I mean, but it just, we know the answer, though. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, re- I, it's like I just really, want other people to think, like, that's crazy. Yeah, like, why 
would you even think about that? You know what I'm saying? Because it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. Because racism is a 360 thing, people. Yeah, it really does impact everything. And so if we're talking about justice and reformative justice and, you know, whatever mm-hmm. was where you want to use, they understand it has to be 360. Mm-hmm. And if you want to work in one aspect, whether it be, say, education, mm-hmm. reforming that space, conservation, reforming that space, health, reforming that space, or looking at how all those things intersect, that's possible. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that these things are planned out. These mm-hmm. spaces are less invested in when it comes down to green spaces. Mm-hmm. And there's this thing called green gentrification where, yeah. I've heard of that. So, I hope I get this right. Well, I won't know, so you can tell me anything, really. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> so, basically, it's where, you know, it's like regular gentrification, uh-huh. how poor-income areas get bought up. Mm-hmm. and all of that well green spaces are now becoming highly sought after so when there's a green space oh. added then that raises the, 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 the property, property values, values which causes people who do not make you know the lower income, income to be pushed out to be pushed out i got you so it's like okay if you take a space and you add green spaces and transform it to where it has green spaces all these things that's nice but the question is who gets to benefit from that? Because mm-hmm. it's not just like it's two questions. Is there a green space? Yes or no? Yes. Who gets to benefit from that green space? Mm. I got you. And people of color are disproportionately not in the running or in the thought or thought of being able to participate benefit and, and benefit from those green spaces. Yeah. It's like my teacher was telling me the other day, grass ain't cheap. And he's a white man, y'all. I just want y'all to know that. So, um, he, yeah, he was just like, you know, grass ain't cheap. Especially when you're looking in cities, um, small square spaces, they want to make you pay an arm and a leg for that, um, which is crazy to me. Uh, especially like being from the South where like grass is literally, we can't get away from it, you know. Um even when you are in cities, um, which we kind of say all the time, southern cities are just kind of different. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, so like you were saying about uh, the the justice, like whatever buzzword you want to use. Yes, those are buzzwords, but, but it's also important to know that the, these are real issues mm-hmm. that need real reform because they are having real impacts mm-hmm. on people. Yeah. You know, um, so... So, yeah, I mean, that's why urban planning is important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having a career in conservation and wildlife doesn't have to necessarily look like just being with the wildlife or doing things that benefit them. It can also be things that benefit the communities um, mm-hmm. that um, are being impacted by certain conservation issues, because at the end of the day, these are conservation issues as well. Um, they're just affecting a different kind of species. Yeah. People. Human health impacts conservation. Mm-hmm humans impact conservation whether we like to accept or admit that or not we are necessary for the ecosystem Mm -hmm. just like other species of animals and plants so our presence or our absence and actions or lack thereof have impacts Mm -hmm. on the environment and like Michaela said there again we talk about this all the time there's so many Professions within wildlife and conservation. And I feel like they're just growing and growing and growing yeah, they definitely are. as we try to tackle 
these real life issues mm-hmm. and, and, and understanding the consequences of things that we didn't really understand 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right. And even if, you know, you say you, you care about human health and all of that, and, but you still like wild animals and mm-hmm. you want to do that. Urban ecology, right? Mm-hmm. You can look at how urban spaces, green spaces, how that, you know, impacts wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, local wildlife and how those ecosystems that are basically being created within cities, yeah, how humans and those wild that wildlife is interacting on human wildlife interactions, mm-hmm. the whole system, right? And it's very important. It's not, it's not something to be overlooked. I mean, not we all. interact with wildlife every day. You go outside and there's bird poop on your car. That's a wildlife interaction. Yeah. That is. Or squirrels staring you down because yeah, they're because the, they've now lost fear of humans. humans and they looking at you like you got cheeses, you got goldfish, or right? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I saw you eating goldfish, like what's good? <laughs> That's a wildlife human interaction. Um, raccoons getting in your trash, you know, mm-hmm. all these different things. And not all wildlife interaction has to be negative, not at all positive. So. If that's something that you're interested in, that's a realm of study, that's a profession, that's a, a professional option that you can explore. There's a research that's being done that talks about the pros and the cons of green spaces, mm-hmm. talks about how humans move into spaces, we displace wildlife, mm-hmm. and what that does, like how, how that just impacts a lot of different things, good or bad. Right. But yeah, so I mean, but the main point that we're making here is just that like, you know, these are important topics. We need more people getting involved Mm -hmm. in these, um, like as a career choice and whatnot. Um, Because like we said, these are real issues that are having real impacts on real people. Um, So just something to think about, you know, as you do whatever you're doing during the day, you know, like. Why are these things this way? What can we do to, you know, make it better? Um, so as we close, do you, do you have any other final thoughts that you want to add about green space and affluence? Um, I want to say that, like, natural resources is becoming something that people are paying more attention to Mm -hmm. and they're looking at from a social justice standpoint. And I Mm -hmm. think it's really, really interesting. Um, So like we talked about earlier, we're talking more so about mental health. Even if you live in a space that doesn't have a lot of green space, right. Mm -hmm. Or it has a little bit of whatever. Yeah. Don't be afraid to transform that you know, or to make the most of that. There are lots of communities. Because, see, we don't want to just talk about problems. We want to talk about solutions. solutions yeah. Because, you know, we, we over here. We, we got the solutions. That all problems really. have <laughs> solutions. And um, shout out to our university because they taught us to be problem solvers. <laughs> um, so we're going to try to do that. But there are, you know, communities who are, you know, historically or whatever, low income and they may not have a whole lot of green space, say like an affluent place. But what do they do with that green space? They create, they transform, they transform, they create community gardens, mm-hmm. um, which is exactly what they sound like. They right. produce food and herbs, and you know, sometimes flowers and plants mm-hmm. for the community to participate in. So that provides fresh food. Mm-hmm. 
fresh um, ingredients for food, healthy food options, which improves health. Also, greenery, okay? Getting, you know, right. helping suck up that pollution. But it also provides a green space. It, involves, it, it, it gets people out. It gets people active. It creates, you know, that community sharing mm-hmm. aspect. So, in your city, look up, you know, community gardens near you and things like that. And don't be afraid to get involved. And don't be afraid to take the charge and making that happen in your city or your community if you don't see it already because it most definitely can be a thing another great way to transform green spaces or make green spaces great pollinator habitat people well of course yes you know so those are just ideas those are just ways in which you can assist wildlife while also assisting yourself right and before we uh, close, I just to your point, I want to shout out Footprint Farms in mm-hmm. Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. Yes. I mean, technically, we got lots of green space in Jackson. <laughs> um, Mississippi. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of Mississippi, especially like the city of Jackson, can be considered a, a food desert because I, the way uh, the definition of a food desert is like if you live more than a mile away from access to fresh food, mm-hmm. that's a food desert, which if you're, if we're being honest, most of the state and most of a lot of other states could be considered mm-hmm. a food desert for that very specific definition. But Footprint, Footprint Farms in Jackson is owned, I randomly came across it one day, it's owned by this um, black lady. Um, all the farmers there are black. She created it, um, it's a 60 acre farm, just like randomly there. Um, she created it with like some grants from USDA and NRCS. Um, and she, uh, plants all types of like different vegetables, whatever depends on what's in season, but she hosts community events. She, um, gives the food away, um, to, you know, people in the community. She does educational events for, um, the school districts. So she'll have students come and get to interact with, the you know with the farming and learn all about that which that's important because we're we're kind of i'm kind of ranting a little bit but you know we always talk about um getting people connected back to nature and where their mm-hmm. food comes from and she's doing that right there in jackson i just think that's cool um and it's serving the community in a great way um but yeah so we hope you guys take those things with you because as morgan said we believe in solutions um and we hope that this could help you or inspire you to do something in your own community um but yeah so that's all the time we have i know this was this one was kind of long but we feel v passionate about this yes i'll play this one if you're going on a road trip or something like that um yes you're gonna be stuck in traffic (laughs) right but as always thank you for listening and we hope that um you guys will return for the next episode bye it's a wrap